We return to our public scripture reading, which is Psalm 38. And as I, as I have repeated this each week that we have been musing on this psalm, Psalm 38 is one of the seven penitential psalms in the Psalter. And it is described as such because of its very overt confession of sin. But mingled with the confession is an agonizing cry to God for his mercy. Since David is facing multiple trials, from illness to isolation to the plotting of his enemies to destroy him. In verses 15 through 22 here in Psalm 38, David closes out this prayer reaffirming what is his single resolute hope in all his trying circumstances. And that great hope is this. He will wait on the Lord who he knows will answer in his perfect providential timing. You see this in verse 15 clearly. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. What David instructed God's people to do back in Psalm 37, the psalm just preceding Psalm 38, we see him now in Psalm 38 practicing what he preaches. He's instructed us to wait on the Lord, and here he is himself doing that very thing. But while David waits on God's intervention, yet he continues to cast his cares on the Lord. And this is what we see proceeding from verses 16 to the end of the psalm. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me, who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin, but my foes are vigorous. They are mighty. Many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Three takeaways that we should draw from these closing verses in Psalm 38. First, David prays for the Lord to not let his enemies prosper against him who have wrongfully treated him, rendering evil for good. You see this, verse 16 and in verses 19 and 20. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me, who boast against me when my foot slips. And then verses 19 and 20. But my foes are vigorous. They are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after 
good. One thing that we should not miss in this petition from David is that in casting his cares on the Lord concerning his enemies, David is very clearly affirming by faith what you heard me say last week regarding the enemies. That his enemies could not lift a finger, utter a word, they could not move one step toward David and do anything to his harm or detriment that God had not already permitted. And so David's trust, his hope, is secure in the Lord as sovereign God, controlling all his circumstances and therefore controlling everything his enemies would seek to do to him. And so we read in verse 16, For I said, and here he is rehearsing obviously what he had prayed before to the Lord regarding his enemies, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. God is not just Sovereign, he is absolutely sovereign. Nothing we face or encounter in all of our lives are outside of his control. Nothing. Nothing. And so, even those who may want to do us great harm cannot lay a finger on us unless the Lord. Has permitted it. And David knew this, and David was trusting God for this. The second thing, however, that we need to see despite the injustice David incurs from his enemies, because remember what he says. Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. So, so despite this injustice that he's incurring from his enemies, David nevertheless recognizes his own sin and thereby confesses it to the Lord. Look at verse 18. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Now, by this example, David's faith is worth imitating. No matter how mistreated we may be by others, it doesn't excuse us from our own responsibility to keep short accounts with God. Listen to that again. No matter how mistreated we may be by others, it doesn't excuse us from our own responsibility to keep short accounts with God. There is never a moment where self-righteousness is justified. That's what... That's the, that's the thing here that we do not see in David in Psalm 38. David, though he was being mistreated like he was, 
Though there was injustice that he was suffering under from the hand of his enemies, yet he was not posturing himself in a self-righteous, judgmental spirit toward his enemies. And he certainly was not posturing himself in such a way before God. What we see in verse 18, beloved, is is what we see in all of our lives as God's people. There is always sin to confess and repent of. Always. Always. Last time that I confessed my sin to the Lord was this morning and yesterday and the day before that and the day before that are you getting the picture here there is not a day that as God's people we can dare say to others and certainly not to the Lord oh well I did nothing wrong today Lord I didn't have a single sinful thought. I didn't utter a single sinful word. I did not have any sinful attitude or conduct. You make that kind of claim. The claim you're really making is you're without sin. But we all know better. None of us are without sin. And so here is David in the midst of being trampled upon by these vigorous enemies of his, and yet in the midst of this, he shows humility and says, I'm sorry, Lord, for my sin. My sin. There is always sin to confess and repent of. Always, always. Thirdly, and lastly, no matter how trying his circumstances were, David kept his eyes fixed on the Lord who is his salvation. And you see this so clearly in verses 21 and 22. Do not Forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. As dire as his circumstances were, and you have to remember if you you read the entire psalm, and we've heard the entire psalm already read this morning, David was not only facing these vigorous enemies who wanted to ruin him, but he was, also facing, he was also facing the aloofness of friends and family who had forsaken him because of his physical plague. And, of course, he was facing his physical plague. In verse 17, he says, For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. But here's what we need to take courage in from David's example. Unlike many of us as Christians who face trying circumstances or maybe in such a season as 
facing trying and dire circumstances, how often is it that our circumstances are right here? And everywhere we look, this is all we see. When that's where your circumstances are, let me ask you a question. Are your eyes fixed on the Lord? Are you seeing God when your circumstances are here? You're not. You are not. David was walking by faith, not by sight. He was walking by faith. And so he begins and he ends Psalm 38 with all his focus where? On the Lord. On the Lord. When, when, when our circumstances is all we see, when, that, when, that's, when that's all we can see, then guess, guess what else rises up in our hearts? Fretting, anxiety, worry, anger, frustration, irritation, you know, those sins. And we get carried away by those sins. When you're walking by faith, then like David, you cry out to God. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Brothers and sisters, our circumstances will never be so great in how they try us and how they tempt us and how they trouble us that they will overwhelm the greatness and the glory of who our God is and what he is doing and what he is working by his plan that's actually, that's actually using all those trying circumstances for our good. David understood this. And so David begins and ends Psalm 38, leaving us with who? David? No, he leaves us with God. He leaves us with God. And that's who you want to be left with. You don't want to, you don't want to be left with man. You want to be left with God. And therefore, Psalm 38 so leaves us with the greatness and the glory and the goodness and the grandeur of our eternal God. That's where our faith is. That's where our faith must always rest. If you're going to keep your sanity, then you rest all your hope in the Lord and no one else but the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are very 
grateful to you, Lord, for the faith you gave your servant David, a faith resting so solidly in you, in all of the greatness of who you are as our great Lord and God. Father, we thank you for this holy example that has been set before each of us of what it really means to walk by faith and not by sight. And we pray, Father, that like David, you would work in us the same grace not to be carried away by our trials and circumstances, not to be caught up and captured by those things that would take our eyes off of you. Indeed, Lord, we plead with you today that if we are facing such trying circumstances in our lives at this very moment, strengthen our faith as you did David's to wait upon you to put all of our hope in your providential intervention, to recognize that you are our salvation. There is none, therefore, that we can trust but you, O Lord. You are our refuge, not man. And we therefore pray that you will so encourage us and enlarge our hearts with such faith and hope and confidence resting in you to that end and for that great fact and truth and reality of who you are. And Father, too, we, we pray that the grace you worked in David to be so humble, even in the face of those attacking him unjustly, to remember his own sins and confess them to you and not to show any self-righteousness as tempting as that may have been. Holy Father, we pray that by your grace working in us as your people, that we too will keep short accounts with you. We ask, Lord, that you would protect our hearts from the rise of a self-righteous spirit that would dare to posture ourselves in a way that would make ourselves somehow superior to those around us, somehow thinking, Lord, that we are better than when the truth is it is only your grace that makes the difference between us and everybody else. As we have heard this morning, Heavenly Father, we always, as your people, have sinned to confess and thereby sin to repent of in our lives. And so we pray in Jesus' name that we will be very active, that we will be very proactive in such holy and humble confession to you, not every once in a while, but every single day. Because, Lord, we know that there's never a day that goes by that we do not sin, that there has not been a fall in our hearts and minds and in our conversation and conduct. And so we trust the Holy Spirit 
to greatly sanctify us in this way. But Heavenly Father, more than anything, we thank you that Psalm 38, like every other part and portion of your holy word, leaves us with more of you. And in this case, in context, we are left with what great faith in our great God really does look like. Even when things are going so sorely bad for us, may we follow this faith, a faith, Lord, that you have given even to us, your people, in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, and always for his sake. Amen.